Thank you for listening to this teaching from Kingdom Discipleship. How many times in our lives have we missed the blessing from Jesus because we would not obey his simple instructions to us? Oftentimes, we contemplate obeying the scriptures when something doesn't make sense to us or in difficult circumstances. Let's open our Bible to John chapter 9 and look at the overwhelming blessing this man receives when he obeys the command of Jesus, even though it comes in an unusual and unexpected manner. Well, good morning and welcome to another teaching. It's early Monday morning here in Texas and uh, hopefully y'all just loving on Jesus, spending time with Jesus, fellowshipping with Jesus, spending time in his word, spending time in thanksgiving and in prayer. I've been personally trying to spend more time when I wake up in, in thanksgiving. When I say I wake up, I mean like I'm saying the first 30 seconds I'm awake. I'm still kind of laying in bed and I'm, you know, you're still just whatever's happening, but you're awake and conscious enough and just, uh, just trying to starting to thank him for other things, maybe intercede for others a little more at that time. Just those first few minutes, you're conscious. It's kind of, kind of nice. Um, thank you, Lord Jesus. So, well, it's exciting. Thank you, Lord. Today, uh, we're continuing in John 9. I'm, I'm, in, I'm enjoying just preparing for this and studying for this. And it's a teaching I've studied for many, many years. And it just, just gets better and better, just like the whole word of God. So today we're going to go through verses at least 6 through 12, Lord willing. And if we have time, maybe we'll get through 13 and 14. So I'm going to go ahead and pray and then we'll read it and then we'll get rolling. Father, we do thank you for... The word of God, we thank you for the scriptures, Father. We thank you for our Bible. Father, we thank you for your love and your mercy and your favor and your goodness on our lives. But above all, we thank you for Jesus, our only Lord and Savior and Master and King. Lord Jesus, we just thank you for becoming a human man for us, living a perfect life for us, dying a an unfathomable, torturous death for us. And we thank you that you are alive and risen today. And we just proclaim you our only hope, our only Savior. Holy Spirit, we ask you to lead us and guide us now as we open the word of God. We ask that you give us eyes that see and ears that hear. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. All right. In verses 1 through 5, we see that Jesus comes along and... Uh, you know, he sees a blind, a man who was blind from birth. Um, his, uh, his disciples ask him some theological questions about why this had happened, who had sinned, him or his parents. We talked about last time that Jesus, Jesus doesn't get into a theology with him, but he does, he is going to hear show his love for the man and he's going to bless the man. And we, we spoke last time about the importance, the certain importance of having having very sound doctrine and theology, but above that ought to be our love for Christ. And again, we said they ought to be two sides of the same coin at some level, but I have observed in my Christian life that 
oftentimes those who have the greatest zeal and passion for doctrine have a below average love for Christ and his people. Um, and it, that's just not okay. Um, those of us who have the greatest zeal for doctrine and theology ought to have the greatest love. Um, and, it, and it just really, really isn't the case. Um, and so it's just an area of repentance for us and, uh, you know, and just for us to get better. Um, and certainly I need to do that. Thank you, Lord Jesus. So, um, so we're going to start in verse six. And again, I'm going to read through 12. And uh, this is where Jesus is actually going to, uh, to go through the process of healing this man. And it's a unique, it's a unique healing as we're going to see. So John 9, verse 6. Having said this, he spit on the ground, made some mud with the saliva, and put it on the man's eyes. Verse 7, go, he told him, wash in the pool of Siloam. This word means sent. So the man went and washed and came home seeing. Verse 8, his neighbors and those who had formerly seen him begging asked, isn't this, isn't this the man who used to sit and beg? Some claimed that he was. Others said, no, he only looks like him. But he himself insisted, I am the man. How then were your eyes open, they demanded. He replied, the man they called Jesus made some mud and put it on my eyes. He told me to go to Siloam and wash, so I went and washed, and then I could see. Where is this man, they asked him. I don't know, he said. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Mm. Golly, thank you, Lord. All right. So we have this uh, just very kind of unique, even, uh, you know, it, it's it's a it's a very very different kind of uh, of work Jesus does here. Verse six. Having said this, he spit on the ground, made some mud with the saliva, and put it on the man's eyes. You know. So as I'm trying to think about this, right? You have to have spit enough to, you know, whatever that looks like, right? It seems. I don't know. It almost seems a. A little off-putting, right? Maybe a little gross. I, I don't know, but uh, you know, I you know, in a very, very almost religious way, we could say that you know, you know, Jesus, you could spit on my eyes, and that's true. He can. Anyone else's spit is gross, right? Um, although you just watch some mothers and their love for their kid is so much. I mean, they'll just take that spit right into their mouth. You ever seen a mother do that? I mean, you're like, Bruh. I mean, but you know, a mother will just you know, eat after her child, she'll do anything, you know, um, you know, a mother's love, as they say, um, I don't know, maybe we've all seen it, but it just, it's still, you know what I mean? You know, like a baby's face could be all filled up with nasty. The mother will take that spoon, put it in her own mouth and just keep rolling. But, uh, you know, we, we just, you know, so, you know, you're just picturing Jesus spitting on the ground and putting enough saliva there and mixing up the mud. Um, and then it says he put it on the man's eyes. Right? Now remember, this is a man born blind. Right? Because, as I said, most of us, or I haven't said this yet, as I was, you know, going over this with my brother Jesse and as I was studying it, um, you know, most of us would have been 
maybe offended at this, at this type of thing. What we're going to see here is Jesus is going to do a healing in a way that's, that's, that's not common. He doesn't pray. I mean, he's God. Um, you know, in other healings, he just, he just wills it and it just happens. But here you find that, that he does a, a, a different thing, an odd thing. Um, and again, a thing that, that many of us, if not most of us would, you know, if someone did this to us, we, you know, we, we, we would very probably be bothered by it. Right, Corinne? Um, you know, listen, buddy, if you want to come up, if you want to pray for me, uh, yes, I, I do want to see, I do want to be made healed, but you know, the whole thing of just kind of spitting on the ground and just putting enough saliva there and making that mud and slapping it all over my face. That's, you know what I'm saying? But when we're, we're really desperate, as a, as a man born blind really is, then, then we don't, you know, we don't get offended. There's, there's, a, there's a moral to the story. There's a point here that, remember how we say that uh, Romans 15, 4 says that everything that was written in the past was written to teach us. And instruct us. So when we read through this, and we say this often, you don't just read the verses and just say, hmm, that's a cool story. That's an interesting story. You want to look inside there. And you want to see how Jesus worked and what he did. Hebrews 13, 8, right? Peyton said, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He doesn't change. So, you know, how Jesus works in principle, not specifically necessarily by any means, but how he works in principle is how he always will, right? And again, the specific circumstances, they could be countless. They can be different. Meaning this specific circumstance, you know, he, 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 he spits on the ground, makes saliva, and then, you know, kind of works it all together and slaps mud. That specific situation almost certainly will not happen with us today. And, you know, but... The, the point of it is that oftentimes, you know, the Lord is going to do a work in our life or if he's going to do a significant work in our life, you know, he may do something that that seems odd to us or is even off putting to us. Right. Um, you know, something that we just it's not something we would have considered. And in, like I said, in, in, in our culture, this even seems a little bit gross. Um. You know, there was a belief back in old times that, uh, you know, that saliva had some medicinal, you know, uh, properties in it and it could help and do all those things. Um, but the point is here again, that, you know, whatever, whatever issues are going on in our lives, whatever difficulties we have, obviously this is a, a, a tremendous malady being blind from birth. We do want Jesus to intervene, but oftentimes we want him to intervene on our own terms. We expect things to be done how they're going to be done, right? We want the minister to pray for us, but we want him to do it in a specific way. Or we want, um, you know, people to bless us, but we always want blessings in a particular way. And, and certainly I have my expectations. And when those expectations are, are different or vastly different, again, I can be off put. Um, so we, we want to be prepared when, 
when, when, when, when God works in our life, when God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, when they're working in our lives, there may be times and ways, May, that they do it in, 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 uh, in a manner that's, that we're just, we're not expecting, we're not accustomed to, and frankly, we may not even like. Um, having said this, he spit on the ground, made some mud with the saliva, and put it on the man's eyes. Now, it's important to notice here that this man doesn't come to Jesus. Jesus finds this blind man. Jesus serves this blind man. But as we're going to see, Jesus is going to, um, he's not just going to heal him as he does the vast majority of his miracles. He's, he's going to require something of this man. He's going to require an obedience of this man for the healing to take place. Verse 7, go, he told him, wash in the pool of Siloam. This means sent. So the man went and washed and came home seeing. So Jesus finds the man. Jesus, again, does this kind of odd thing and spitting on the ground and he had he had done this three times um, in the Gospels. Um, you'll see Jesus, you know, spitting and, and using the saliva. Um, but, you know, in this, in this particular case, he's going to require something of the man, okay? He makes the mud and then he says, go, he told him, wash in the pool of Siloam. So when you try and think about, you know, what what this would have been like, right? I mean, you're 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 totally blind. Where is the pool of Siloam? I mean, certainly he would have heard of it, certainly would have been understood in the culture. Obviously, he's gonna need help getting there. Um, and again, I, I have very little understanding, you know, how how blind people adapt. Um but still, I mean, there are stairs that walk down, you know, into the water. Uh, there's just, there's, there's, a, there's kind of a lot that goes into it. The man could have easily said, right, Stephen? Um, yeah, man. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that's, yeah, you know, yeah, I don't know if you know this or not, but I'm, but I'm blind. You know, I guess you could point me in the direction of the pool of Siloam, but, I, you know, I don't understand all this. What we need to understand here, we, we really need to understand this, is that if the man does not obey Jesus, if the man does not obey the word of God, because when Jesus tells him, go, the words are in red here. The word go, it says go in red. He told him, those words are in black, wash in the pool of Siloam. And those words are in red. The words are in red because it's Jesus speaking. When Jesus speaks, He's speaking the word of God. So this man was given the word of God. He was commanded what to do. You notice it's not a complicated command, Scott. It's not hard to understand. Does the man receive his sight? Does the man receive a miracle, uh, an unfathomable miracle, Mind you, that has never been done up to this point 
in recorded biblical history. I did not know that as I was uh, studying and preparing for this um, and the different scholars that I that I read. But this is the first healing of a man born blind recorded anywhere from all the Old Testament, right? From the beginning of Genesis to the entire Old Testament, it never happened. Matthew, Mark, Luke, now here in John 9, this is the first recorded miracle of this happening. It's a pretty big deal. Wow. This incredible, incredible and overwhelming blessing in the man's life. Undoubtedly, the thing that he would have desired most by and far, right? If you're blind your whole life, what would you want more than to be able to see? You don't even know what it means to see. You can't even conceive. What is it? You know what? It's just, it's, it's incomprehensible, Uncle Dennis, right? Go, he told him. Wash in the pool of Siloam. He gives the man a directive. He doesn't offer to help him get to the pool of Siloam. And undoubtedly, he does not. And, and he doesn't promise him anything. Do y'all see that? Most of us would have wanted some assurances before we did this. Jesus spits on the ground, makes mud with the saliva, puts it on the man's eyes, and then commands him to go and wash in the pool of Siloam. He doesn't tell the man that if you do this, you'll be healed. Although, you know, it would have been reasonable for the man, you know, to think, well, he's doing all this and, you know, Certainly, I have nothing to lose. But again, many of us, when we, this principle is active in our day-to-day -day lives. This principle, clearly, that Jesus is telling us or commands us something, whenever we read the scriptures, we read the living word of God. Jesus is speaking to us. He's commanding us what to think. He's commanding us what to believe and he's commanding us what to do. It's not a request, right? He put the mud on his eyes and said, go, he told him. Wash in the pool of Siloam. Jesus didn't say please. Jesus didn't explain himself. I confess, oftentimes, I want an explanation if it's something that I don't quite understand. I very possibly would have said, you're that guy, Jesus, right? Because you remember it says that all the man knew he can't see him, but he heard of him. You're the man they call Jesus. I appreciate the whole, uh, you know, spitting on the ground when I heard you spit there and, uh, you know, mixing up that mud and slapping it all over my eyes and face and all that. Um, but, you know, can, can, can you kind of, can you give me some insight here? Can you explain what's going on? Because, uh, you know, I, it's kind of a, an ordeal for me to, to get to the, the Pool of Siloam. It doesn't appear that you're offering to help me to get there. And very possibly I would have missed the blessing. Leah, when Jesus tells us to do something, and when you read your Bible and when you study the scriptures, it's, it's, it's our job to 
meditate on the scriptures, to believe the scriptures, Lauren, and to obey the scriptures. That's our responsibility. And if we will do that, we will be blessed. If this man does not obey the word of Jesus, which is the word of God, he misses the blessing and it's kind of a big deal. We really have no idea the blessings that are missed in our life because of our unwillingness to obey the word of God. And particularly when we're unwilling to obey when things don't make sense or when the circumstances aren't right. And I can only, you know, I, I can't even imagine the blessings I've missed in my life because when circumstances have not lined up often, I don't know how often, I don't want to overstate it, but I have missed blessings because, you know, I allowed my circumstances to dictate the manner of obedience that I showed to the word of God. Or I allowed what I believed to be the sensibility of the situation. Now, let me be clear. If some person says something to you, if some pastor says something to you, and, and it's not in the scriptures, you need to ask all the questions in the world. Okay? Anything someone tells you to do needs to line up with the scriptures, with the Bible, with the word of God in a very clear an undeniable way. Okay. But again, you know, if, uh, you know, just let's say, I don't know, you're somewhere and you have something going on and you're just in a restaurant and a man says, you know, Hey, can, can we pray together? And you're like, sure, absolutely. And you're like, man. And the guy's like, man, I know this is weird, but you know, can we just, can we just get down on our knees together and there's like a group there and just pray to Jesus. You know, that's, that's a little uncomfortable in the restaurant, right? With a hundred people. But you know what? Yeah. Let, let's get down on our knees. You know, now, again, this is not something we have to do. But it's one of those moments, right, where the situation may feel a little uncomfortable. But you know what? You know, you're going to get down there. He's going to pray for 30 or 45 seconds, whatever it's going to be. We thank you, Jesus. And, and you go through with it. Okay. Um, and. And so it's just little things like that. Now, again, if that same person keeps, you know, saying this, 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 and this, uh, you know, you, you want to use wisdom and discernment. The point I'm simply trying to, to drive home here is that we want to follow and obey the word of God, even in times where it doesn't make sense or it's not comfortable um, or it's just going to cause us inconvenience. Certainly this man, this blind man, having to go find a pool of Siloam, having to walk down the steps, having to go through this process is time consuming. But again, his desire and his faith to have sight, it, you know, obviously outweighed the inconvenience. And that's often not the case for us. Go, he told him, Jesus told him, wash in the pool of Siloam. This word means sent. So the man went and washed. Again, it wasn't complicated. You know, the man went and washed, right? Um, when, when, when Jesus gives us instructions, 
uh, you know, almost entirely, it's, it's very simple to understand. In what areas have you and I failed to go and wash, Kristen? So the, the man went and washed, and he came home seeing. Holy Spirit, I ask you to lead us and guide us and convict us this day, this week, this year, as we walk with you. Convict us when you're just telling us to go and wash in, in whatever areas of our life that you're instructing us to just to obey the word of God, the words of Jesus, the words in our Bible. Help us to just have a simple heart of obedience, Lord Jesus, that when you tell us to go and wash or to go and do whatever it is you're asking us to do and not asking us, commanding us to do, that we would just have just have simple hearts of obedience. I ask you to cleanse us and forgive us, Lord, where we so consistently, particularly as such privileged believers in the West, um, where we just are uh, are delayed and we ask a lot of questions, Lord. I'm, I ask you to forgive us and convict us in Jesus' name. Amen. So the man went and washed and came home seeing. His neighbors, verse 8, and those who had formerly seen him begging asked, isn't this the same man who used to sit and beg? Verse 9, some claim that he was. Others said, no, he only looks like him. But he himself insisted, I am the man. It, 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 it's, it's, it's understandable at some level. Again, remember, this has never happened in recorded biblical history. Ever. <laughs> right? So... Even though you can see that this is the man, but the fact that he's not begging in blind, but he's walking around and he sees perfectly, you know, they're asking all these questions. Now, one of the griefs here, and again, this is something we can get caught up in, and, uh, you know, you know, when we see these things, like when we, what I'm about to get into here is that. And I want to make a point about it. But how come nobody's rejoicing? How come no one is just so excited? How come the neighbors are not like jumping for joy? How come like a miracle has just happened? I'll say it again, Nathan. That's never happened in recorded biblical history from Genesis to this moment. And no one's jumping up and down. No one's praising God. No one's just thanking Jesus. No one's falling on their face and just giving glory to God. No one's encouraging this man and blessing him and congratulating him and just sharing in the joy. When a blessing happens to someone else in our lives, this is kind of the tendency we have. Right, David? His neighbors and those who had formerly seen him begging asked, isn't this the man who used to sit and beg? Some claim that he was. Others said, no, he only looks like him. But he himself insisted, I am the man. Verse 10, how then were your eyes open? They demanded. Verse 11, he replied, the man they called Jesus made some mud, 
put it on my eyes. He told me to go to Salome and wash, so I went and washed, and then I could see. Where is this man, they asked him. I don't know, he said. <laughs> it's, you know, um, they're just, just, you don't see any, any rejoicing. There ought to be, there ought to be emulation, right? There ought to just be just this exciting, overwhelming, zealous praise to God and just congratulations to this man and, and such an excitement that such a mercy was shown. But before, I mean, again, and do you see how we can have this tendency in ourselves? And when I say this, remember, we don't, we're not supposed to, Jesus never asks us to feel bad, okay? When I look inside myself, and I, and I can see that sometimes I can be like the neighbors, I'm convicted about it, but I rejoice because my eyes have been opened, and I see an area of my life that I get to correct, and it's such a wonderful opportunity. It's so exciting, right? Um, I had a sister of mine, you know, you know, big sister, and uh, her name is Becky. And she, uh, and man, she was she was listening to a podcast, and you know, I, I was speaking on some pretty hard things. I was talking about how we uh, just as people we have just this tendency to share negative experiences you know, or when people, you know, were selfish toward us or disrespectful to us. And we tend to want to share it with anyone who will listen, particularly those closest to us, like our husband and wife. And in the teaching, I was explaining that this is not the will of God, because when you do this, you're leading the other person, you know, into a place where they're not going to like that person. They're going to be dissatisfied with that person that you're speaking poorly about or gossiping about or sharing how that person was selfish or disrespectful to you or whatever it was. And instead of being, that's a very hard teaching, right? Because I, I was teaching on how we should not share everything, right? Certainly of this nature by any means with our, with our wives or children, um, you know, because we lead them really into sin. We lead them in having a heart, you know, against that person who's mistreated us. And so it was a very hard teaching. And the point that I'm saying is, is uh, Becky didn't, she wasn't offended. She was excited because her, her eyes were opened to where she can have a tendency to do this very thing. And she even gave me a specific example. Um, and, and, and it was, uh, it's so refreshing. So when we read the word of God and we examine ourselves in light of it, it's not meant to be a beat down, Ed. It's never meant to be a beat down. It's, it's something we rejoice in. You don't have to just, you know, go kicking around a stone and saying, oh, I'm just a terrible sinner and this and that. I do everything wrong. That's the furthest thing from the purpose of this. It's certainly never my heart. But when I look into this, and again, I see that, man, I've missed blessings before because I haven't been comfortable with the timing or the circumstances or haven't quite understood why Jesus is, is, is explaining or asking me to do this. I'm excited because now I can repent and be more diligent in obeying the scriptures and the word of God 
because I love Jesus and because I want the blessing. I want to see. This man, right, Becky, has to, has to obey Jesus so that he can, he can have physical eyes that see. We have to believe the word of God and believe Jesus so that we can have spiritual eyes to see. If we do not believe the word of God, that we're sinful, hopeless, helpless, in desperate need of a savior, and there's nothing we can do about it, and out of that place, humble ourselves before Jesus, proclaim to him our trust and reliance and hope in him alone, running to the foot of the cross, humbly, humbling ourselves before Jesus. John 1.12, the same book, chapter 1, verse 12, says that to all who received him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Romans 10, 13 says, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Words don't save us. Words, we communicate our heart to the Lord with words. You know, and we can communicate from our heart, you know, just even without words. But it's, it's only when you, when, you, when you align yourself with the word of God and you're commanded, you and I are commanded to believe the gospel. It's not a request to believe the word of God that we're sinful human beings that need a savior. And because of our sin, we are indeed separated from God, right? I think it's Isaiah 59, two, that says our sin has separated us from God. And if our sins are not forgiven in Jesus Christ and only by believing and trusting in Jesus Christ, we'll remain, we will remain for eternity separated from the triune God, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, in hell for all eternity. It, it's, it's, it's inconceivable. It's horrible. I hate it. That's the clear teaching of the word of God. There are consequences to us not believing the word of God for our salvation, but then there's consequences when we don't, when we don't obey the word of God, right, Rap? So as Christians, this man, if he doesn't obey Jesus and do what Jesus told him to do, Jesus put him plainly in the way of receiving his physical sight. Most of us as Christians, we don't have a lot of spiritual insight because we don't obey the word of God. Once you've received Jesus Christ as your savior, the more you obey the scriptures, the more you walk with Jesus, the greater devotion you have to Jesus, the more you'll have eyes that see him and ears that hear him, the more revelation, the more spiritual sight you'll have into the word of God and the son of God. Golly, it's exciting. And the point I'm trying to make in all of this is, you know, so you get excited when you, when, when the scriptures reveal something to us, it's out of place. Let's, let's be happy about it. Let's be excited about it. Don't be beat down and say, oh, woe is me. Just, we just want to repent. It's not something we have to do. It's something we get to do. And in as much, we will grow more intimately. We'll grow closer, Esther, in our, in our walk with Jesus. Wow. His neighbors and those who had formerly seen him begging asked, isn't this the man who used to sit and beg? Some claimed that he was. Others said, no, he only looks like him. But again, we can almost 
we can kind of get it, right? Because this has never happened ever. The man is born blind. It's never happened in recorded biblical history ever. No prophet, no priest has ever healed a man born blind until the God man steps on the scene in Jesus and, and, and heals this man. So we can kind of get it why they say, no, he only looks like him because their minds can't grasp this. But you got to love verse nine, but he himself insisted, I am the man Jesus healed. That needs to be the, the call of our lives. Every one of us may, right? Let this be a year where we insist, I'm the man that Jesus healed. I'm the woman that Jesus healed. In whatever your blindness is. Again, if, if we don't know Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, we're utterly blind to the things of God. If you have not trusted in Jesus Christ, if you're not <clears throat> excuse me, currently relying on Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins and the salvation of your soul, you are in utter blindness, in utter darkness. You cannot see or understand the triune God in any way. It's only in Jesus Christ. Doesn't matter what name you are. It doesn't matter all the isms, Hinduism, Buddhism, Confucianism, Islam, atheism, agnosticism. Only in Jesus Christ. Only in relying and trusting in Jesus Christ, clinging to Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins and the salvation of your soul. Only when you, when you receive Jesus Christ into your heart by his Holy Spirit, only then does spiritual life enter into you. Only then do you have eternal life. You become alive spiritually as well as naturally when the Holy Spirit comes and lives inside you, he gives a life to your spirit. And now you can see and understand things spiritually. You have eyes that see, as we always pray for, and, and ears that hear. So if you, if you have not given your life to Jesus Christ, then do it now. <clears throat> Rewind the tape. <clears throat> Go back and call out to Jesus. Humble yourself before him. <clears throat> and ask him to be the Lord of your life, trusting in him, relying on him, clinging to him, knowing there is no other way. He is your only hope. God has given his word. <clears throat> in John 14, <clears throat> Jesus said, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. John 14, 6. Let this be a year. Let us, let us make this a time where we insist. But he himself insisted, I am the man. Father, I ask you to help us just to, to insist that we are the ones that Jesus has healed. We're the ones that Jesus has given sight spiritually. We're the ones that Jesus has saved. But he himself insisted. <clears throat> Verse 10. 
How then were your eyes open, they demanded. Reasonable question. He replied, the man they called Jesus. The man they called Jesus, because remember, he hasn't seen him. Jesus put the mud on his eyes. Then the man has to go find the pool of Siloam and go wash in it. And immediately upon fulfilling that condition that Jesus gave him, he can see, right? Remember, there are no conditions or works when it comes to your salvation. You simply have to give your life trusting and believing in Jesus Christ alone for the forgiveness of your sins and the salvation of your soul. The only condition is you trust and rely in Jesus Christ to go to heaven. But all the other blessings in the scriptures, God's love for us is certainly unconditional, just like your love for your children is unconditional. But as far as how much you're going to trust them, you know, and give them your trust with regard to, to different different things in their life, whether it be letting them use the car or entrusting them with money. It's going to depend on, on, on the type of people they are. And it's the same. When it comes to God's blessings, right, it, it very much depends on how we live our life and how we obey the word of God and repent when we fall short. Again, our salvation has nothing to do with anything we do. That only comes simply by humbling in ourselves, acknowledging we're hopeless and desperate and there's nothing we can do. But from there, if we want to be blessed by the Lord, we, we do need to obey him. He replied, the man they call Jesus. By the way, that's the only reply to everything. The only reply to everything in this world is the man they call Jesus. Next time they say to you, you know, you know how did this happen? Well, the man they called Jesus, the man they called Jesus. He replied, the man they called Jesus made some mud, put it on my eyes. He told me to go to Salome and wash. So I went and washed and then I could see. The testimonies, one verse. Now, the word of God, right? Revelation 12, 11 says they overcame by the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony. It's always Jesus first, the blood of the lamb. But then we testify to what Jesus has done. Now, look at the, how concise and tight this testimony is. It's one verse testifying to what happened. It's specific. It's articulate. It's sound. It's solid. It's, it's, it's perfect. He replied, the man they called Jesus made some mud and put it on my eyes. He told me to go to Salome and washed. So I went and washed and then I could see. The testimony is exact. That's what happened. He didn't leave anything out. He says the man they call Jesus, as I said, because he hasn't seen him. That's how we want to testify to what Jesus has done in our lives. You want to testify to specifically what Jesus did and how he did it. Not just regarding your salvation, but in everything. We want to continue to testify to how Jesus has done and what he's done in our life and how he did it. That testimony, again, is, is important. And, it, and it's a faith builder to other people. It's just incredible how clearly he testifies to what Jesus did. And he's never seen Jesus with his physical eyes. Wow. Help us, Lord Jesus. Help us, Father. Help us, Holy Spirit, just to just to testify to what Jesus has done in our lives and to be specific.
and clear, um, you know, even brief, Lord, where necessary. And finally, verse 12, where is this man? They asked him. I don't know, he said. <laughs> That's verse 12. I mean, we'll stop there. But uh, where is this man? They asked him. I don't know, he said. All he knows is he's seeing. Then, and then really the most famous verse of this chapter that we're going to get into and uh, later, a few teachings from now, but the man is going to say he's going to be getting peppered with questions and finally he's getting worn out. In verse 25, he replied, you know, they were accusing Jesus of being a sinner, or, you know, healing on the Sabbath, all these other ridiculous things. Um, he replied, whether he's a sinner or not, I don't know. Verse 25, one thing I do know, I was blind, but now I see. And, uh, and again, that, that's, that's going to be the testimony and should be the testimony of all of our lives. Once I was blind, amazing grace, right? But now I see. Where is this man? They asked him. I don't know, he said. You know, my eyes were opened after I washed in Salome and I, I, have, I don't even know what he looks like. And again, at the end, of this chapter, Jesus is going to speak to this man and, uh, and um, the man doesn't know who he is because he hasn't seen him before. And the man's going to worship Jesus when Jesus tells him who he is. Well, Father, we do thank you for your word. We thank you for the scriptures. We thank you for your love. We thank you for your mercy. We thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your grace. Lord Jesus, we just thank you for, for loving us. We thank you for living for us. We thank you for living, coming to earth and living your life that we might have your words and above all that we might have your life. Holy Spirit, we ask you to seal the word to our hearts now as we go forward, again, giving us eyes that see and ears that hear. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Thank you, Lord Jesus.